Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. My guest today is Verizon CEO Hans Vestberg. We met in his offices in New York during the UN Climate Action Summit, and much of our conversation focuses on how emerging 5G technologies can help advance goals around sustainability. Now, around the UN, you will often see CEOs of major companies talking about sustainability as part of their broader corporate social responsibility efforts. It's somewhat commonplace these days. This was not the case 10 or even 15 years ago when I'd regularly see Hans Vestberg, who was formerly the CEO of Ericsson, as one of the very few major corporate leaders championing what were then the Millennium Development Goals. And he was also involved in the creation of what are now the Sustainable Development Goals. So in this conversation, we do discuss the roots of his engagement on these issues and how Verizon has integrated principles of sustainability into its corporate strategy. We kick off with Hans Vestberg helpfully explaining just what 5G is and why it can be potentially transformative for sustainable development. And just a quick note before we start, if you have suggestions of people I should interview or topics you'd like me to cover, please do send me an email. You can do so using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com. I love hearing from you. Send me your thoughts. And now here is my conversation with Verizon CEO Hans Vestberg. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So one of the big differences with 5G versus previous Gs is that 2G, 3G, and 4G was basically designed for consumers. And it was two capabilities that was enhanced in every G. It was the speed and the throughput. Think about the 2G phone, you can send a text, and you can talk on a voice call. And in 4G phone, you can, you can stream a, a, a streaming service live on the phone. That's the evolution we've seen from 2G to 4G. When the design started of 5G, uh, was a lot of thoughts about how can you actually bring wireless to enterprises and society? What other capabilities do you need in the future for that? More than throughput and speed, which was obviously greatly enhanced or is greatly enhanced in 5G. They came down to eight capabilities, not only two. One is latency, how quickly you can get the reaction from uh, any server back to you. Could be very useful, for example, in autonomous cars, where you need to have the map all constantly be updated. Instantaneous, Instantaneously. So you don't get into your car. Yeah. Uh, another capability is the battery lifetime. 
think about uh, having a device into Amazonas. There's no power grid there. And uh, the device is just waking up when somebody's logging in the in the forest. That device, you know, is optimized to only be woken up and not to get signals all the time. And then probably that device can live with electricity and power for maybe up to a year. That's 5G. Um, another capability of 5G, which is not in 4G, is that you can keep a signal up to 500 kilometers per hour. Uh, in 4G, it's probably 200 or 200 kilometers per hour. And then you would ask me, why is that important? Drones in the future being managed by the mobile network. Uh, high-speed trains are coming up to 500 kilometers per hour in the future. So that's, again, that's mm-hmm. society business cases, not necessarily directly for consumers. Mm-hmm. And another, bis- the, the, another capability or currency, as we say, is sort of on one square kilometers, you can have one million connected devices on 40 today maybe you can have 50,000 mm-hmm. so then you think it's not going to be 1 million people on one square kilometers but it can be 1 million devices mm-hmm. in the future where everything is connected so that's why it's so different 5G so it gives you capabilities that you had sort of in the more infrastructural fixed world you now will have on 5G as well. There's going to be use case for consumers as well, mm. but that's the big difference. So I mean, you're describing a transformative technology. Yes. We're meeting on the same day as the UN held its Climate Action Summit. Uh, so it sort of begs the, the question, what applications of 5G do you foresee can make a meaningful difference on, on climate change issues? I think we already right now have uh, applications that can uh, reduce CO2 emission, everything which is uh, IoT devices that connecting systems, making smarter decisions on traffic system, etc. that you already have right now. But of course, when 5G comes with latency, you can think about autonomous cars actually reducing uh, the, the CO2 emission by having you're at the right place, you come at the right place, you're going to park at the right place, you're going to know everything about society so you don't have any waste because of the latency and the, the coverage of it. So I think those type of things will definitely, you can also go into... Can, can I ask on, on, on that question yeah. in, in particular, do you foresee that transformation happening at a pace quick enough to take on some of the, the, the deadlines that we're seeing in the uh, climate change I would debate? say autonomous core is probably a little bit later in the uh, in the cycle of a 10-year period of 5G, but it's going to be a hybrid or a mixed mode in the beginning. So part of the, 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 the coverage of the roads is going to be uh, autonomous and parts you need still to be driving. So you will address and get benefits from it, but the full benefit is probably 10, 15 years out of a large transformation of autonomous cars. But there are many other use cases on 5G where uh, you can optimize uh, workflows, uh, take away waste because you have such a throughput on 5G and such a latency as you can take decisions much quicker. Uh, you can think about that. You move out the mobile edge compute so close to you so you can actually have less of uh, power in the device. And it doesn't need to think smartphone. It can be any other device. And you can have that in a network instead. And then suddenly you reduce the CO2 emission by not having every device consuming all uh, the CO2 emission. It's in one place. And you can optimize that one place much better than in each and every device. What would be your uh, like, like an, an example of, of that process in action? 
Uh, you can think about today video cameras, for example, if you have um, campus with uh, face recognition or something like that, consume a lot of data, enormous lot of data. And uh, if you could actually reduce that data and the power consumption on the device and you're actually processing everything at the mobile edge compute, you can reduce the power consumption of each and every of the cameras or whatever it might be. That could be a use case or for CO2 emission. Uh, but again, the th great thing is that Verizon, we do a platform and that platform have these capabilities over time. And all the innovation will come of enterprises that think about it, how they're going to be more efficient in the future. And that's how it works. So think about us being the technology driver behind the scenes for our customers to unleash new ways to work. So you know, one of the big themes, as I'm sure you know, of the sustainable development goals is, is equity, is yes. being able to bring some of the technologies that sound very futuristic to me, but yeah. I suppose do exist in the here and now to yeah. populations that are historically overlooked, uh, both in you know, wealthier countries, but also in the developing world. Yes. How can that transformation occur, for example, in places that have historically been overlooked? I think that first of all, I mean... Um, historically, I, I fought for uh, SDG goal number 18, and that was mobility, broadband, and cloud as one of the most important infrastructures uh, for the 21st century. Uh, and then and the reason is very clear, because with mobility, broadband, and cloud, you can suddenly bring infrastructure much quicker to consumers, to people on this earth, and we don't need the same amount of infrastructure build to get there. Think about healthcare, education in places where today, today they don't have it. Uh, if they're going to build hospitals, educate uh, uh, doctors and all of that, that process will take too long and it will consume a lot of CO2 emissions. So the whole idea about mobility broadband and cloud being uh, equally important as an infrastructure of building roads, etc., in a country, I think that we just need to acknowledge that is the only way we can have a scalable and sustainable solutions going forward. Not saying that everything can be solved with, but it's a big, big uh, platform for all 17 goals that you have today on the SDGs. They are underpinned that there is technology in order to scale them and make it sustainable. I'm glad you brought up this idea of building this kind of infrastructure in, in say, the developing world. As you said, it, you know, it seems necessary to achieve all the other mm. SDGs. One interesting dynamic that I've, I've noticed about 5G is some of the broader geopolitical implications yeah. of this technology. I mean, I, I don't have to tell you, but you, you, know, you see, for example, competition between China and Huawei and the United States emerging. How do you see this, this, these geopolitical dynamics, this growing competition, um, affecting just exactly what you talked about, bringing this kind of infrastructure to countries that are, are poor now but need that to develop in a sustainable way? Yeah, two comments. The first one is that what I talk about mobility, broadband, and cloud can actually be done today without 5G technology. I mean, just getting hmm. mobile broadband into the, the continent of Africa in all places will make a huge transformation, giving access to people, uh, to education, healthcare, information, equality, and uh, making more sustainable solutions. So that we can do today. So, so just carve that out. So then, of course, when you get 5G, you can do it even better and you have latest and all of that. But much of 
what I'm th- talking about today, which we need to scale, can be done with our current infrastructure if we build it out. But only half of the Earth population today have access to internet. Um, coverage-wide, mobile coverage is way broader. So that means that we haven't really built out mobile broadband, nor the usage there has been high enough because of scalability, uh, prices of devices, and and also to be honest, the power grid is 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 inferior than the mobile grid in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the geopolitical question, I think that first of all, my comment would be the following: the beauty of the telecom industry, which is very different from any other industry, is that if you invent a patent how on IP how 5G should work. You actually put that in a big ball together with all other great innovations of 5G should work. Then you decide this is the standard. These are the patterns we're using for making the standard. And then everybody builds based on that standard. And that's why you take a phone, you take the phone from the US and you go to Africa, any country in Africa, and the phone will work because everybody uses the same standard and use the same technology in the in, in sort for the platform, which is if you would be in another industry, maybe healthcare or something, if you have an IPR or a patent, you wouldn't share that with anybody else because that's your proprietary. In the industry of telecom, you share it. So when we talk about uh, importance of uh, technologies, the better scale we get, uh, the less uh, sort of frictions we have on, on having different standards, the better it is. And some of us remember when you were 2G or 3G, you can have a CDMA phone in the US. That wouldn't work in many other places in the world. Of course, that was not really efficient because of scale and development sources. So that's what you see uh, why it's so important to continue with the standardization. That's why everybody's shipping into that patent pool, not only the East or the West, all are doing it at the same time. Um, so switching gears a, a little bit, um... You know, I, I've been around these UN conversations for a long time, and I've seen you around a lot of these UN conversations for a long time, particularly around sustainability. Um, even sort of before it was in vogue, I remember yes. we're seeing these things like ten years ago. Now Easily. it seems like every yeah, no, now I know it seems every CEO is, is yeah. was at the UN today. But you know, I, I've seen you there even in, in your prior roles yes. uh, as, as CEO of Ericsson as well. Um, of all the kind of broadly speaking corporate social responsibility issues yeah. that you could have engaged with, why did you pick so long ago to focus on sustainability issues? Uh, so first of all, uh, I was part of the MDGs, which are I remember. few pe- yes. people remember, but that was the Millennium <laughs> Development yeah. Goals from 2000, 2015. But why? Like, but, but why, why did that inspire Our you? technology, when I worked for Ericsson, was the enabler. And that was our strategy. Mobility and broadband was our strategy. We built that in the whole world. And of course, when I saw that these are the challenges with healthcare, education, equality, and all of that, I knew that what we were doing in our strategy that was actually supporting it. So that's why I was engaged to educate, to be part of it. It was not any philanthropy or something, hey, it's great to do. It's part of our core strategy. Equally much as the part of the core strategy of Verizon to build education in the US or uh, investing in much more uh, energy uh, energy efficient uh, technologies and all of that because that's part of our strategy. It's our business case to be in our business. It's nothing separate from our strategy. And that I realized 
early on in my career. I've, I've lived in, I think, seven countries. Many of them, you know, in Latin America, I lived in China, uh, etc. And of course, saw the impact, the positive impact of technology. So that's where it started all. Can I ask, was, was there like a moment when, when you saw that, you know, yeah, or, or yeah. was there, you know, because there are lots of CEOs of lots of big telecom of companies. Of course, but, there are moments. Yeah. Uh, I remember a moment in Ethiopia. Uh, we 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 actually had to flu uh, in Ethiopia for quite a while. We come to a very rural part of Ethiopia, and we land. And uh, I remember it was thousands of people with big signs saying "Thank you for bringing internet to us." I mean, it's moments like that. It was thousands of children they went to a school that had sort of uh, turns so they the, the school actually worked 24 by 7 because they had only one school so there were children starting in the morning 7 to 1 and then it was another batch of people children coming 1 to 8 and then 8 to 2 in the morning and night so it's 24 by 7 and we had covered that and uh, they got the uh, internet access and just an amazing moment when you think about the technology we are providing and the business we're into, how that could actually impact all these children having access to the same information that any other children in the world would have. They can get equally quick to all these search engines that anybody else can get. And of course, that that's a big thing. So, you know, you, you just described how these sustainability issues are embedded into, you know, your work as a company. How is this week, the UN week uh, around the UN, important to you personally or to you as a company? You know, I, I, for example, I, you know, diplomats often call this week, you know, diplomatic speed dating. What's what? What are your some of your strategic goals to get out of UNGA every year? I think that for me is multiple things. I mean, first of all, we are a company that uh, believe uh, very much in that uh, the technology play a vital role in this week. Uh, and we are a big player with a big responsibility. So, of course, there are several meetings you're doing, uh, but there's also more sharing between corporations, what we all are doing, uh, and the way we're doing it. And I think that um, uh, given my background and how I work with it, I think that I have a responsibility to share that. So partly I'm sharing that. Then I'm part of several commitments this week because it's also to take commitment and actually execute on them but all of them are part of our strategy it's, it's nothing like hey we do a commitment here because we think it's good for something it's part of the strategy we are doing every day in our company so i think that's uh, what i'm seeing and doing but but you know our work with with uh, uh, being a responsible company that's that's 365 days a year uh, 24 by 7 it's not this week or these days but it could be that there's much more interaction around it this week. And then, of course, I need to add that as a, as a board member of the UN Foundation, I have another responsibility mm-hmm. to, of course, bridge between the UN and the private sector because that's a big responsibility for the UN Foundation. Of course, with my background, that's sort of uh, uh, where I also spend my time this week. What's an example of a commitment that Verizon's making this week? Uh, we are doing some big commitments on Saturday that I cannot really uh. d- disclose yet at the Global Citizen Festival. Okay. Last year, we made a commitment to invest uh, 400 million US dollars over a, 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 a number of years in education in the US to actually bring education, the broadband, the technology, the device and a Verizon innovative learning system that is geared to STEM education, mm-hmm. which is digital, 
and and we since last year I think we've added 50 schools. We're almost done 150 schools so far. We have uh, it's going to be over 300 when it's over. But again, it's part of our strategy. It's part of what we're doing every day in this country. Uh, and it's important for us to get more Chilean being excited over STEM. And so we want to give it. So again, that was the commitment last year, which we did. And we have actually executed very well on that this year. Uh, we're going to continue to our commitment because we think it's important that everybody is doing the part of it. But it has to be part of your strategy. So last question, how, how would you measure success after you know meetings here around, uh, around UNGA? Well, what's like a, a good UNGA outcome no, for you? No, I think you? that my, I, I measure the, the, the good outcome of a UN week like this is to see, do we see more engagement? Do we see more people making commitment? Do, do we see more corporations connecting their purpose together with the, with, with the being responsible companies and their strategy? Do we see countries actually stepping up and taking the next step? I think that's what you need to see here. And then, of course, you need to follow up that they do it. But in general, this is a week where you want to see that happening. Uh, well, thank you. This is interesting. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Hans Vesperg. That was very helpful. I particularly appreciated his description of exactly what 5G is. It's one of those issues uh, that is becoming more and more salient in foreign policy and development discussions. But to be honest, to me, uh, my understanding of it, it was a bit vague, and I found this uh, to be particularly clarifying. So thank you. As I mentioned at the outset of this conversation, please do get in touch with me if you have topics you'd like me to cover or people you'd like me to interview. I love hearing from you. Do send me an email using the contact button on globaldispatchespodcast.com where you can also peruse our robust archive of interesting conversations with foreign policy thought leaders and newsmakers and people with just great stories to tell. See you next time. Thanks. Bye.